And this one was number one for like several weeks in a row. And at one point, the DJ said, okay, I know all of you are trying to record this on the, from the radio. So I'm going to give you exactly one second of dead air before I, <laughs> before I play it so you can hit. And so he's like, ready to get ready to hit record. Ready? Three, <laughs> two, one, dead air. And then the song started. another throwbacks thursday at the gen x replay podcast this is stephanie watson with frankie hagan talking about a pop culture topic that heavily influenced us as gen xers and the things that come to mind when we reflect on that topic today and next week we're going to step through our top five feel-good songs that we would include if we made a 80s or 90s mixtape This was, I kind of threw this topic on Frankie a couple of days ago, but he says he's ready to go with his, his songs. (laughs) How are you doing, Frankie? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. This is a fun topic with my DJ background. I thought, well, I have to be ready to go. And you said feel good songs. So I totally went in the direction of feel good as well. Yeah, when I when I was thinking about the topic, I was like, he's already got those songs in his head because he probably plays them when he's a DJ. <laughs> right. I guess I'll I will start with one that seems to be my go-to song every time I need to feel like a surge of energy. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm thinking about like late spring, early summer in terms of the season. And okay. I just kind of want to go walking outside or or you know, doing something fun, uh, is Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. <laughs> that is so awesome. That was on my initial list too. That's so great that you picked that. Yeah. It's uh, it's such a one-off. I, I don't know that I remember any other songs by Katrina and the Waves. Well, uh, it came out in 1985. Yeah. Yeah. Right in the middle and- of the decade. It actually got reissued in uh, 1996 as well and got radio play. Uh, Interesting. It was uh, written by uh, Kimberly Rue mm-hmm. and, uh, and that was their, uh, their big debut single from their full length album. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was uh, the... The re-recorded version was first released on the band's 1985 self-titled album, and the album's it was the album's second single. So they actually had a single before that, mm-hmm. and reached number four in Australia, number nine in the United States, and number eight in the United Kingdom, according to the internet. Wow! It got a lot of play on uh, MTV. It, it was it was kind of one of those typical mid 80s videos where it's just the the band singing and playing in various locations and lots of jump cuts and zoom cuts and <laughs> I just remember it being uh just kind of this fun simple video that didn't take away from the music itself and uh and so it's uh Oh, just gave me a lot of energy still does every time I I hear it it's been over the years I've put it on playlists over and over again and of course it is on my 
uh, phone at all times in case I need that little burst of energy. Uh, Dolly Parton covered it in 1996. Really? I'm going to have to look that up. That must be why there was that surge. Yeah, there was. I think that's probably why. She recorded it uh, on her album Treasures. Mm -hmm. and uh, she did a a CBS TV special to promote the album. Mm -hmm. And she said that she had always loved the song when it came out in the 80s for all the reasons that most people probably love it. (laughs) And there apparently there's, uh, I think there's a DJ dance remix of it that also came out in 1999. (laughs) So I've got to start looking these things up. Yeah, yeah. So that's all that's all there. But, you know, what a great song in terms of... uh, just a burst of energy. Mm-hmm. I think this is a song that if you wanted to blast out of bed and you were going to set a song on an alarm clock, you know, <laughs> this will wake you up. <laughs> the horn stabs alone. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you can't hide under the pillow with that song on, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's in your face. Yes, indeed. Yes, yeah. I, I love it. I even um, I had a, a Vespa for a, a short amount of time that was yellow. And I named my Vespa Sunshine. Uh, I had it for almost three years. It was it was unfortunately stolen. Uh, and I, I did not replace it when it was stolen. It was, uh, you know, with the with the name Sunshine and the, and the fact that I felt really good every time I was writing it, it you know, uh, I would call Walking on Sunshine the theme song for my Vespa. Well, Katrina and the Waves, they were a British-American rock band, so they were kind of blended. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was their first and really only major U.S. hit that they had. Yeah. So they fall on a lot of these one-hit wonders mm-hmm. uh, lists. But at the same time, they're on probably every major 80s compilation I have ever seen the song <laughs> Is definitely right there, front and center. Still it, collecting from that, <laughs> that yeah. one song. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is also a great intro song for, you know, if you're trying to bring somebody out at an event and you want them to come out with a lot of energy, it's definitely a great intro song. I've seen people use it as a recessional at a wedding, and I've oh, seen really? people use it to be introduced into a reception. Oh, you know, nice. It's a great song in terms of bringing people around. Now, uh, Katrina and the Waves, also, strangely enough, if this is the sort of thing you're interested in, in 1997, they won the Eurovision Songwriting Contest. Really? (laughs) That's not much of a thing in the States, but for any Mm -hmm. of our European listeners, I know Eurovision is kind of a thing, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that people really get into. And it was a song called Love, Shine, and Light. So that was... uh their their next claim to fame in Europe, but I don't think anything has ever equaled what they did with Walking on Sunshine. Yep, for sure. All right, Frankie, it's time for your song. What's the first song on your list? Well, the first song on my list is Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Oh, yes. The one song that has become a pop culture meme uh, for all generations, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's so funny to think about initial exposure to this song because when it first came on the radio, and I think I think I was probably in middle school at mm-hmm. that time, uh, 
I remember hearing it and thinking like, oh, what a really neat R&B song. And then I was like, oh, it's a skinny redheaded white guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his pipes were so, uh, yeah. He, he had a, a richness, a depth that we often associate with uh, R&B for sure. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't at all what I was expecting when mm-hmm. I saw him. And uh, the video is very much a product of its time. It, it's very GQ oh, yeah. looking video, actually, if I <laughs> come to think about it. Um, but that hit around 87 mm-hmm. is when, and that was the summer of 87 when that really came out. And, you know, and it was just a pop song at the time. I, mm-hmm. uh, the life that has been breathed into that song that it has had <laughs> since then because of Rick Rolling. <laughs> Yes. You know, <laughs> becoming one of the most successful internet memes of all time by far mm-hmm. is, uh, and, and that really in 2008, Astley won the MTV uh, Europe Music Award for best act ever with the song as a result of, uh, of all the collective voting <laughs> on the internet <laughs> due to the phenomenon of Rickrolling. Yes. So and like, and he embraces it. I've I've seen like uh, yeah. things from him. Kind of, he is certainly absolutely okay with everyone seeing the song as a bit of a a meme and a joke. <laughs> I forget which year it was at the Macy's Day Parade that the Muppet Float he rickrolled from the Muppet f- Float. Like he <laughs> came out and sang. So he rickrolled the world. Yes. At the Macy's Day yes. Christmas Parade. Rick, Rick rolling the world. There he is. But when we talk about the song, it's such a great energy, positive yeah. song in it terms is. of the declaration that the uh, the singer is making for you, that he's, he's never going to give you up. He's never going to let you down. He's never, you know, that, mm. I mean, and the energy is so 80s pop. You know, and it's it's got a great bounce to it that you can't help but like smile or sing along when you hear it. You know, yeah, the it it kind of personified that little bridge we heard in the '80s between R and B and the newer pop sounds that were coming out of you know the development of synthesizers. You know, the continued development of synthesizers in music and and really starting to layer synthesizers very very much accepted as a regular part of any song you produce like when you think of a, the composition of a band in the 80s that you got to have someone on keyboards mm-hmm. uh because that's just it, it's always there uh in some capacity but this kind of um was the epitome of what that sound was like. It won Best British Single in 1988 at the uh, the Brit Awards. Really? So nice. In Europe, it was, it was a big thing. <laughs> I mean, and it was a worldwide number one hit. I mean, mm-hmm. I think people tend to, you know, they think of the joke aspect of it, but when it mm-hmm. came out, it was, it was a huge song. It really was. I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was great. So... Yeah, I, I, I love I definitely it. Definitely turned up the radio when it came on. 
And it's that sort of thing that, you know, hipsters in skinny jeans and Arcade Fire t-shirts, you know, kind of loved the irony of it for a while there. <laughs> yeah. They have to admit, you know, moving forward, like the guy was very talented. It is a very catchy song. So Yeah. Oh. And he is, he's had more recent gigs too, like of yeah. actually appearing with other people singing uh, in their concerts. Um Dave Grohl and him are buddies. Yeah, they. Yeah, yeah. That that was, I think, one of my favorite ones is seeing the two of them performing together. So, what is your next song selection? Ah, okay. This one is almost on the same tier as "Walking on Sunshine" for me. "Freeze Frame" by the Jay Giles Band. Really? Yes. So, so what's the uh, what's the experience there with that one that that makes that? I think it 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 might just be a combination of when it hit. Okay. You know, I was in a I guess a a fun place in my teenage years or whatever, and it had a really fun video that used special effects, and uh, the special effects were very eighties in nature. <laughs> They used a lot of tech that was really kind of a throwback to the 70s, but it, it, it definitely had an 80s uh, feel and sound and look to it uh, with bright colors and such. And Jake Giles' band also had Centerfold, which I also yeah. adored. Number one. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, so Freeze Frame and Centerfold I had in my collection since they came out. <laughs> and um have always loved both of those songs, but Freeze Frame in particular was one I always wanted to dance to. They, and this was long before I knew anything about swing dancing or, or ballroom dancing. And now that I'm older, one thing that I'm thinking of trying to go back and do is actually learn a, an actual dance to that song and not just, you know, dancing around my room. <laughs> like a crazy seven person. Per minute, you'd have to either do a fast jive or it would be mm-hmm. a quick step for free. Yeah. 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 It's pretty quick. Cause it's, it's right up there in terms of tempo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Centerfold's more of an East coast swing. You know, their other uh, hit that they had that gets used in marketing a lot is love stinks. Oh, yes. That was on the flip side, I think, of Freeze Frame on the cassette single that I had. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So you had the cassette single. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Freeze Frame was number four on the U.S. charts. It, mm-hmm. uh, it never quite peaked beyond that, but it, uh, yeah. it's definitely another one of those great 80s uh, compilation songs and that's 1981 and to be Mm -hmm. fair you know it kind of falls within the blues rock and the new wave you know sounds that were happening right then but 1981 is a huge watershed year for music a lot of people don't know that that's one of the most hit filled years so if you get anywhere in the top 10 you're doing okay in 1981 because your competition was horrible I mean it was yes like a lot of very big songs came that are like around forever came out that year. So I would say 85 and 87 almost compete for that. But yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. And, you know, this was the dawn of MTV too. Everyone was trying to figure things out. How do we, how do we market music in a visual way? 
Um, and they were part of the, the people breaking out and starting that, you know, that mission and whoever was involved with bringing their, their music to a visual medium was doing a really great job, I think, with the medium, uh, really capturing uh, the essence of their music within the visual. And they're what I really would think of as a very American rock band, you mm-hmm. know? like mm-hmm. a true rock band that's exactly yeah. what they were you know <laughs> absolutely Pump, pumping out those kind of songs and you know it's it's a it's a great memory and it, and there was a and there was a nice you know because it kind of had like the, the camera effect in the song you know yeah mm-hmm. so, so yeah. yeah which is interesting that freeze frame and centerfold are both yeah. kind of related to photography and <laughs> very <know>. much so <laughs> So if you did like a photography compilation, they potentially, you know, could have two songs on your mixtape. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, they they really were kind of like always on the mixtape somewhere uh, for me, for sure. It's just just really high energy stuff. And um, I just noticed that both Walking on Sunshine and Freeze Frame, which I have added to the list so far, have horn lines in the figuring prominently in the music it was also about the same time that i was starting to get into band oh uh, as a young kid you know like not not when those came out but toward uh 80 86 85 86 would have been when i was um really getting into band so uh, a lot of songs that had horn lines and horns in them in some capacity seemed to make an effect on me uh, and that was pretty prominent in the 80s. And a lot of those songs ended up becoming pet band staples in ball games and stuff like that. And I, I spent a few years doing pet band in high school and college for sure. Yeah, I can see the influence of the horns then making that <laughs> for you. Could be, could be. I, it's subtle. I, I just have noticed it really. But uh, that, that might be part of it. That and the that and the beat, you know, uh, those uh, those particular beats that I just kind of want to want to dance to for sure. All right, what's next on your list, Frankie? This one's a big one. All right. Because this is another one of those songs that you could set an alarm clock to first thing in the morning. Okay. And it is "You Make My Dreams" by Hollow Notes. Yes. Oh, nice, great selection. Great selection. Another yes. uh, 1981 release, which, uh, you know, this this song was massive when it came out. Oh, yeah. And it has been used in so many movies mm. and shows. Uh, just in popular culture alone, let's see, it's been used in The Wedding Singer, Dumb and Dumber, When Harry mm. Met Lloyd, Step Brothers, 500 Days of Summer, Despicable Me 2, Eddie the Eagle, Ready Player One, of course. Famous. Of course. The Office, Modern Family, Young Sheldon. It was wow. in a 2018 a commercial for Dick's Sporting Goods. Really? <laughs> so wow. The song has had plenty of mileage. Oh, hollow notes were so iconic. And they had so many good, good hits. Controversial oh. statement. I will say mm-hmm. that to the late 70s, and through the 80s mm-hmm. for a lot of gen xers they're almost our beatles yeah 
I mean, they had a lot more competition around them. There was a lot more music coming out than at the time of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that they could just lob one hit song out after another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you go Absolutely. back and look at the catalog, because people have asked them for years about recording new music and they're like, well, we really don't have to. We can just tour on our catalog. <laughs> That's true. That's you true. You know, but yeah. in, in a similar way, Journey, same yeah. thing. Journey just hit same. after hit after hit. And they, you know, they have a new lead singer now that's been there with them for several years and is incredible and is able to, you know, continue singing those original songs that Steve Perry was known. Oh, yeah. Uh, that his original vocals was known for. So, so yeah. Oh, Hollow Notes. Ah. Uh. This song uh, was from their ninth studio album. Uh, Voices, wow. which came out in 1980, yeah, yeah, and the song reached number five on in 1981, mm-hmm. and this is also one of the highest ranking digital sales songs online. That do you the, think it's because of all those performances? I mean, the I mean yeah. and like I think the fact that a lot of people younger than us who mm-hmm. will discover it in a a movie soundtrack or on a television show that's like Mm -hmm. an instant go digital download you know yeah yeah and again it's a song that i've seen at weddings a lot for recessionals or for entrances you know that people just love it because it's got a great energy to it yeah i just in my head i'm just thinking of the, the the sort of bounce that it has to its feet i love it yeah it's another one of those jive type tracks that mm if somebody was going to dance to it, it definitely has that going on for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. One of my all time favorites. It's one of those, it's one of those songs that when it comes up, I, you know, I'm really not tired of it. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and I probably should be tired of it, but I'm not tired of it. I'm happy to hear it when I hear it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I've always been fascinated by the minimalist nature of hollow notes because they could produce a hit but they're not out there with a big seven piece band trying to play their music. They could have Daryl singing, you know, a couple of guitars, a bass and a lead and someone on a very simple trap set in the background. And that's all you need, you know, to bring forward most of the music. And then they go into some synth uh, in some of their tracks, but yeah, mostly it centers around that rhythmic guitar sound i mean a lot of people would probably point to justin timberlake now but i will tell you that daryl hall is arguably your very best white r&b voice (laughs) possibly of all time one of them for for the the sound that he created uh because he's he falls right in you know very comfortably into that that sound it's yeah at least the best voice in his range they're are certainly the different um, vocal ranges that that are arguably comparable. Uh, I'm thinking Michael McDonald, you know, yeah. That, yeah. Michael uh, McDonald, getting getting in into a, I, a I, put him right little up depth. That's mm-hmm. he's he's one of those guys who can kind of hit stuff that other people can't and create mm-hmm. yeah certain sounds. So yeah, what's your yeah. next one? Okay, this one. I'm just going to go ahead and precede this with a memory I had uh, okay. uh, when the song was 
in regular circulation on the radio. Uh, I was listening to G105 all the time out of Raleigh. I remember uh, G105. Yeah. I, I did not live in Raleigh, but I was close enough to it that we got the G105 signal where I lived. And they had a top 10 at 10 every night at 10 o'clock, like all the music, you know, the top 10. And to get on the top 10, you would call in and vote for the song that you want to be on the top 10. And you, they take votes like for hours during the day and then they comp compile it at the end of the day and then, then count it down 10 to one. And this one was number one for like several weeks in a row. And at one point, the DJ said, okay, I know all of you are trying to record this on the, from the radio. So I'm going to give you exactly one second of dead air before I, <laughs> before I play it. So you can hit. And so he's like, ready to get ready to hit record. Ready? Three, <laughs> two, one, dead air. And then the song started and I actually recorded it. All in the time that he did that because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. It is Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Oh, yes, wow. Yes, yes. Yeah, there's, there's something, I guess we don't really see it as much now, but then again, there's a lot of the, uh, like a lot of the current pop music that's out is is not very like dancey music, but it's very, <laughs> uh, it's very poetic and... Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of like uh, dark pieces within it. And we had music that was electronic that was doing interesting things, I'm, uh, you know, in terms of conveying a piece. And this was, Rock Me Amadeus was also like, uh, I believe Falco was Austrian? Yes. He was mm -hmm. Austrian? From Austria. From Austria, you know, and uh, he did he did some more standard pop stuff you know that still crossed over not as big as uh rock me amadeus when it came out which uh that was on his album falco three and that hit mm -hmm. 1985 and then mm -hmm. he kind of exploded so some of his other songs like there was a song called jenny that was like a, a poppy ballad he did yeah yeah that, that got some play in the united states because i remember that coming out and uh there's actually <laughs> In my years as a ballroom DJ, there's actually uh -huh. a tango of his that I'll play that he he recorded a very poppy song that happens to be a, a tango that it, actually it sounds good on a Halloween soundtrack. <laughs> Interestingly <laughs> enough, but Rock Me Amadeus, man, I played the heck out of that song. Oh, yeah, I did too. He was just he was really hitting a lot of creativity with electronic music at the yeah. time. Um, and sampling and that yeah. that song used electronic music and sampling um, to produce a pop piece it's two things that you would more associate with you know new wave or with uh you know with sampling being more in the uh r&b and rap space oftentimes but yeah he was using all those same techniques to create this amazing pop piece but also intertwining strings, like the sound of strings, like the sound of a, a, a string orchestra um, as a tribute to uh, Mozart, um, who is, was Austrian as well. So, yeah. yeah so he originally recorded wonderful. the song in German and then they, they mm -hmm. did it uh, 
English for uh, the Europe, the rest of the European and the American charts. Yeah. The album actually had an eight minute version of the song on the album. Uh, that wow. they called the uh, Salieri mix. I don't know if I have the eight minute version of my DJ set. That's a good question. The one they played on the radio was incredibly long, <laughs> even in its time. Inspired by the movie Amadeus that had come yep. out not long before that, which was an excellent movie. And, you know, Incredible. him being a, a local favorite historical son, I could see the, the reasoning <laughs> for yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, now you haven't hit on the weirdest thing part about this song, which okay. is the voiceover facts that you get in the middle of the song. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> it's right. like you get a history lesson partway through the song. It's true. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. Like, wait, wait. I pulled up. There's an act. You can actually see the voiceover facts online where it's like 1756, Salzburg, January 27th, Wolfgang Amadeus is born. And yes. then they would like cut like yeah. a in the middle of the song. Yes. But what was yes. always funny to me and my friends listening to this on our boom boxes, you know, as little kids, was when he gets to the voiceover fact about um, on December 5th of that same year, Mozart dies. And the way the voiceover artist says it, it's kind of like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> like the emotion cool. in it. <laughs> but it was just it always was a little funny to us listening to it as kids. Mm-hmm. It's just, the way he hit it tonally. Yeah. Uh, and of course, Falco, uh, I believe he died in a motorcycle accident or something. Yeah, it was, it was an tragic. accident in the late 90s. Uh, that it yeah, his, uh, his bike collided with a bus. Yeah, that'll do it. Oh, and uh, Any, Anytime it's you against a bus, the bus is probably always going to win. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, in February 98. So he, he was... It was just before he turned 41. So he, he didn't get as old as we are. <laughs> Poor oh guy. I forgot about, he had his other big hit he had was a Vienna Calling. Yes, Vienna Calling, uh, as well as Der Commissar, which was- oh, uh, Der Commissar that, is actually yeah. on a ton of 80s. Yes. Um, but wasn't that, like that wasn't just under his name though. Wasn't that like a group he was in or something? Der after the fire, is it? Yeah, that's it. Yes. That's and uh, yeah, so so that got released under a group name, but it was Falco's uh, yeah. work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This- and Vienna Calling. Yeah, was really good. He definitely um, poured a lot of his his love for his home country into his music, which uh, very admirable. Yeah. It, he, his stuff is actually stuff that if I do a German wedding, or an Austrian wedding, uh-huh. his stuff will come up. That's like also the only time you play uh, uh, 99 Red Balloons by Nina. <laughs> yes. Because those are like their big 80s pieces, you know? So they'll tend to want those songs a lot of times. Yeah, and I, I would say that now when I look for those songs, I more commonly hear them in German. Yeah, uh, as opposed to hearing the English translations that were that had become popular for us uh, back yeah. then. Well, because those are the ones that you know they have real lasting power, just mm-hmm. like a lot of our own pop artists do. You know, in Europe, though, you know he's listed on a lot of one-hit wonder charts, and I, I find that you know I don't know if I agree with that because he mm-hmm. did have other stuff that charted. Yeah, yeah, 
Well, and, you know, general songwriting, you know, so, and uh, he's a musician, songwriter beyond, you know, his own work. So I, I, I too would not call him a one hit wonder, even though uh, people will often say they only know him for one song. I'm like, you, you know him for more songs than you think you do. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us at Gen X Replay on Twitter so you don't miss our next throwbacks and other fun episodes. You can follow Frankie between shows at Dance Frankie H on Twitter, as Frankie Hagen on Facebook, and at his dance instructor or real estate websites, dancefrankie.com and frankiehagen.com. You can follow me between shows at Stephanie Does VO on Twitter. In the description for this episode, I'll include this info and other links about the topics we've talked about. And help us boost the signal on this podcast by sharing it with others. Until next episode, be safe out there. Thank you.